Let us all join hands. That's it. The circle is complete. Spirits, hear my voice. If there is a spirit that would like to be known, please knock thrice. Oh, hello. Yes, we can hear you. We crave your wisdom. I am your vessel. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Do I Even Exist? A podcast for and by ghosts. And if you are listening to this and just so happen to be human, that's okay too. We're all a little dead inside. I'm coming to you all the way from the astral plane through my human vessel, Jane. Say hello, Jane. Hello. I am your host and guide. My name can't really be understood by human ears, so you can call me Cyan Number 7. Each episode, we'll dive into what it means to be a ghost in this day and age. We'll have tips for hauntings, especially if it's your first time haunt, as well as interviews, stories, and lots and lots of ectoplasm. Boo, we're so glad you're here. Did you feel it? Did you feel that slight slip in the universe where what is and what isn't becomes more translucent? Did you say to yourself, a new do I even exist? Because that is what you should think. Because we slip right through. Only when the veil is thinnest. So before we get to the rest of our program, I'd like to bring back a guest I had for our last episode. If you remember, Doink Dinkles is a human and he hosts the segment on our show, Not a Ghost, hosted by Not a Ghost. Hey, Doink, thanks so much for joining our program again. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so I've really spent, you know, the past year trying to figure out, like, what what is my deal here? So I've, like established that Casper is not a ghost because it's a fictional character, but also that Bambi's mom is a ghost. But, um, you know, after recording, I just had to, like, fact-check the my work. So I found this website, DisneyFandom.com, and um, I found this post that says Bambi's mother is actually still alive. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of research to, to be done here about this, but... Uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get to the bottom. I'm going to get to the bottom of this because this is really important and crucial to my point cuz like, you know, if she isn't a ghost, then like what 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 is real? Okay, I'm just going to list some things and I just want you to really quickly say ghost or not a ghost, okay? All right. Peppers. Peppers. Hold on. I'm like looking this up. I can't. You can't rush me into this. I've got to figure I, it it's out. It's just got to be quick, okay? Okay. So just like, just so calm you're just down. Just putting me on okay, the spot I'm here. I'm gonna give you like, another what? one. I'm gonna give you another one. Pencils. Well, is the ghost holding the pencil, or is it the pencil itself? Just, just the pencil. Is it the graphite, or 
Okay, graphite. Not a ghost. Okay, great. Good job. Um, what about candles? Also used by ghosts, but not ghosts. Fruit snacks. Well, it dep- what shape are they? Grape. Grape shape. Okay, not a ghost. Bambi's mom. <sighs> See, I knew this was coming. Like, I knew this one was coming. And I just, like, don't know the answer. <sighs> Can somebody help me? That's it for Not a Ghost, hosted by Not a Ghost. Thank you so much, Doink Dinkles, for joining me. Death is confusing. And for many of us new to the afterlife, we don't even know we're dead. In the words of the great future ghost, Joan Didion, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. And the same is true for death. We tell ourselves stories so we may die. I've gotten a lot of listener questions from both humans and ghosts around this topic. They have a friend or a loved one who either can't let go of this earthly plane or has no idea they're dead. Each case, of course, is a little different, but my advice generally is the same. Tell them. Tell them they're dead. Because in the end, you have to remember that these beings aren't demons or anything sinister. They're human. People just stuck between planes. And I know if I were stuck, I would want someone to do the same for me. Coming up, I chat with poet Patience Worth after a brief message from our sponsors. Stay with us. I am so excited about this new partnership. And humans, pay attention. You're going to type in www.normalizetalkingtothedead.com. If you go on the website, you can sign up for cards, buy a t-shirt, and even apply for an upcoming residency. Again, this is totally real, and here we are normalizing talking about the dead. Go on, take a look, sign up for a postcard, and tell them Cyan sent you. Again, that's normalized talking to the dead. We bring spirits to the table. For most of us, our human lives are less than extraordinary. We're born, we age, and we die. That's it. But for a select few, their death is the beginning of their fame. I'm talking about Edgar Allan Poe, Hilma Oft Klint, and of course, Patience Worth. Patience, if you don't know, became famous after she made contact with a housewife named Pearl Curran in 1912. Her mode of contact? A Ouija board. Together, Pearl and Patience wrote several books of poetry— her epic poem, The Sorry Tale, even received accolades from William Marion Reedy. We're lucky enough to have Patience join us. Patience, thank you so much for joining us. And I just have to say, I mean, I say this to a lot of guests, but I really am a big fan of your work. Oh, thanks. That really means a lot. Oh, I mean, this is a little personal, but... um. I'm really just wondering, like, are you are you still in touch with Pearl? Um, you know, I don't really want to get into it uh, because 
well, we've had a bit of a falling out. When she died, she kind of just decided that having a ghost collaborator wasn't that much of a thrill. <laughs> I mean, that that must be difficult. Yeah, you know, we really had a good thing going. And then, you know, she died and it was like, oh, that's it. Collaboration over. Do you know if she's still writing? Uh, you know, I honestly can't say. But, you know, I have to say I wish her well. All the best to Pearl. Um, but also, to be clear, she wasn't the writer. She was merely the vessel. But I assume we'll get into that later. Oh, my gosh. Yes, of, of course. And that that is that is so gracious of you. Um, and I do. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about um, your writing and, and how you got into it and, and how you were a dead writer. Um, and I, you know, I got to say, like, a lot of us die unknown and stay unknown. Um but you really had a different arc. And um, could you just like walk our listeners through that a bit? Oh, I'd be happy to. And look, I died 300 years before I was discovered. So just because it hasn't happened for you yet, don't lose faith. I mean, I just need to jump in and say, because um, I think that is, that's really encouraging and and hopeful. And it seems to be a little bit of a trend. Um, you know, I, of course, recently spoke with the murdered peddler, and, and he said about the same thing, you know, that he was just expecting to lay in the cellar and his body was thrown into, but then he, you know, he influenced an entire religion. Oh, completely. I am a big fan of the murdered peddler. As you know, without his work, you know, I'm not sure if I would have had much of a career. I mean, who who isn't a fan of the murdered peddler? So could you could you just walk us through how you got to where you are? How did Patience Worth become Patience Worth? Um, I'm not sure how much listeners know, but I met Pearl through a Ouija board. Um, she, I think at the time, was a bored housewife and was invited to try one out with her neighbors. I was just a bored ghost and I saw an opening, so I took it. I mean, honestly, it started as a joke for me. Um, and I'm sorry to keep jumping in, but I think that there's a lot of uh, lingo and technicalities that I just want to make sure some of our newer ghost listeners are clear about I'm I think that they'll be wondering like how did you make a connection you know there there are various ways to tap into a channel but from what I understand a, a Ouija board is kind of specific um can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah I mean it kind of depends, I guess, doesn't it? <laughs> I think the general rule of thumb is that like attracts light, you, you know, or like attracts like, rather. <laughs> I guess humans call it energy, I think. We, of course, call it something different, but I don't know if it can be translated into human English. I, you know, it's just, it's kind of like, uh, you know, energy, yeah, no, that that makes sense to me. I mean, I think, you know, I hear a lot um, from humans that they're kind of afraid of Ouija boards. And, you know, it's it's merely the tool, you know, like, yeah, if like a ghost wanted to get through to you from like, uh, a pack of, of cigarettes or, or tampons they could, you know? Oh, absolutely. I, I think the Ouija board is nice because you know uh, that the, the human will be receptive. You know, they're, they're a seeker if they've, if they've made it to a Ouija board. Sometimes, you know, tampon work, it gets tricky. You know, you can scare someone. 
uh, which is fun too. <laughs> but you know, the Ouija board, I feel like it's, it's a real, I don't know, someone's ready to receive when they've reached a Ouija board, you know? Okay. So, um, just to jump back a little bit more into your work, um, I, I want to know, so, okay, close your eyes. I'm going to give you a visual. Pearl housewife in her living room with her newfound Ouija board and the open, the like opportunity to connect happens. What did you say? Oh, I'll never forget. The first message I wrote to her was, many moons ago, I lived again. I come patience worth my name. Wait, I would speak with thee. If thou shalt live, then so shall I. I make my bread at thy hearth. Good friends, let us be merry. The time for work is past. Let the tabby drowse and blink her wisdom to the fire log. I mean, that is quite the statement. No, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't even talk like that. I mean, that's what boredom does to you. You know, I, I was looking for a sort of earthy or earthly cranny to help me fulfill a burning literary ambition. And I I just, I really found that in Pearl. I mean, why, why, you know, why did you feel called to write? You know, I had been dead for so long and I just, words would, they would come up within me. It was like I could read them on the back of my eyelids and I was like, I have to get this out. I want, I want people to know. And then that Ouija board, I just, you know, because you're spelling and the spelling led to the words, which led to the poetry. It just, it really just felt right. Kismet. And people caught on. Oh, in a big way, which was surprising to me. You know, I really think some of the most successful things start as a joke. I, I'm seeing here that the New York Times called your first work a feat of a literary composition. Oh, that's nice of them. I hadn't heard that. Can you can you tell us a little bit about your writing process? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I hate to sound pretentious. Uh, but it just comes to me. And then, I, you know, I'd spell it out on the Ouija board and Pearl's husband would write it down in shorthand. You know, we don't talk about him much, but he was a part of our little partnership, too. You know, we traveled around the country together, performing shows. Oh, it really was a dream come true. What about any tips for ghosts uh, who would like to follow in your footsteps? Oh, gosh, you know... I think the most important thing is understanding that there's not a one-size-fits-all model. You know, of course, there's some paths, but for the most part, it's sort of a backwards and confusing route. And, you know, it takes time. I really want to emphasize that it takes time. Develop your voice and persist. You know, it really is all about persistence and, dare I say, patience. I think that's really encouraging to hear. Um, I hate to ask, but I have to. Could could you read us? Could you just read us a poem to take us out? Oh, I'd love to. <clears throat> Behold, with my naked hands did I part my ribs, bearing my heart in a basin of scarlet. Into this did I plunge my quill, drawing it forth, pulsing each drop warm. 
and ere it cooled wrote, tempering each note with a fever or purifying it in meditation. Behold, like a pageantry cometh, the inscrutable, cowled, gray-garbled, holy writs, each uttering damnations, each damnation echoing promise, and the cadence of the two becoming ward like a gnashing battlement, lost in the thin praying of holy nuns, lisping white music from their marble-cold hearts, letting the beads slip tinkling through their iced fingers, letting their lips speak finally of the infinite. Lo, through this fluid which I press, singeth dumb conquest, mute agony, anguished existence. Bare hands set upon hairy forearms, clutched bodily at existence, and I write, giving utterance, yea, making vent unto this sealed, dumb, mute, piteous humankind. Is my heart white? Is the basin become a golden thing? Hath the quill dropped the last drop, and with anguish breaked? Then have I spoken. Mm. Thank you, Patience. Now, if you've been listening to our program for a while, you know that we talk a lot about ectoplasm. Stories about ectoplasm, your first ectoplasm, and, well, those who sometimes can't ectoplasm. It's all perfectly normal. But what is it? Where does it come from? We go back to one of the earliest discoveries of ectoplasm. This story may answer some of those questions. As told by Agenor de Gasparin, who is currently a ghost. You never forget your first ectoplasm. I remember the texture, the smell. There was none. And the feeling, the, the pure exhilaration that came from a bunch of goo pouring out of my mouth. It was the first time I felt empowered. The first time I felt alive. And my first ectoplasm? <laughs> well, I was human. It was the roaring 1850s. The Second Empire was just beginning. The king was exiled and we as Parisians were optimistic for their future. It was a party. All my best friends were there, Louis, Jean-Louis, Louis-Jean, and Claude. I am, at my core, a man of science, or I should say, was a man of science. <laughs> a little uh, ghost humor. We were in my study, sipping uh, brandy or a nice sensor, uh, je ne sais pas... Uh, Say quelque chose, mais uh, I can't really uh, remember exactly what drink we were imbibing. But it was not water. I can tell you it was not water. There was a lull in the conversation. Uh, Jean-Louis uh, just told an excellent joke about the uh, Comte de Montparnasse. Uh, you know those uh, Comte de Montparnasse jokes, right? Uh, N'est-ce pas? 
and I saw my opening. After I cleared of the throat, I said, uh, Mes amis, why don't we conduct a couple of experiments? That was a normal outburst of mine, I would say. Uh, they were used to it. They'd say, oh, Agenor, uh, come on, again with these experiments. We are tired. We just want to drink our brandy or sancerre. But, uh, as you say, it was my thing. Hypothesis. The collective energy of a group of best friends will be able to tip a table. Of course, since you are a future audience, this is a no-brainer. You all know this, n'est-ce pas? Like, of course, future friends at the table, you flip it. But back then, oh, we, uh, we didn't know it. It wasn't as wild, uh, it wasn't as uh, wildly acceptable as it is now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we didn't know. So I encouraged my friends to sit at, the, at my round, uh, how you say, uh, circular table. table. Uh, Louis was on my right, uh, Louis Jean, to, ah uh, no. Uh, Louis was on my left, uh, Louis-Jean to my right, uh, just uh, a cut uh, just next to Jean-Louis was Claude, uh, and uh, Claude was next to Louis. I uh, instructed my friends to all grab hands and close their eyes. Jean-Louis, as he was grabbing the hand of Claude, made another very funny joke about the Count de Montparnasse. We all, we all laughed. We said, Tygol, and I said, oh, come on now, Jean-Louis, we must focus. And we did, mon Dieu, we did. Alors, grâce à Dieu, we focused. After a few moments of breathing together with our eyes closed, a very uh, peculiar sensation rose up into my throat. It felt thick and, uh, how you say, viscous. I tried to swallow it back down, but to no avail. Oh, no! I exclaimed. What I really wanted to say was, how embarrassing! But instead of any words, out tumbled what I can only describe as a mystical, cheesecloth-like substance. My friends gasped. I tried to speak more, only to have more of that strange substance pour forth from my body. We all stared in horror. And what happened next? Why terrified and, and mystified me further. Out of that mystical goo came what appeared to be the visage that levitated on its own and winked at us only to vanish. I, of course, had no explanation for the strange occurrence, and my friends and even Jean-Louis himself had nothing to say. We broke our circle, and as if we were a bunch of friends who just dabbled in an orgy, we vowed never to speak of it again. But I couldn't help. But I couldn't keep my end of the bargain. I became obsessed with ectoplasm and chasing the dragon. 
Of course, I've had other experiences with it. But like I said, you never forget your first. And Jean-Louis? Well, he died shortly after and was never able to tell another joke about the Comte de Montparnasse again. That's it for this episode. We're on ghost time, so we'll release episodes whenever the veil is thinnest. Till then, get to know the ghosts in your life. (sighs) The circle is closed.